everyone. Welcome back to the podcast, Eternally Obsessed. I'm your host, Rid, and today we're going to be continuing our Eternal Character Series, and we're going to be talking about my personal favorite, Eternal, Dina. Joining me to talk about Dina, I have Lauren, aka at Little Miss Scarlet Witch on TikTok. She's not Dina today, but she's Wanda, <laughs> and you know what? I think that's iconic in itself because Wanda and Dina are quite alike, so love Lauren love to see that <laughs> channeling your inner Wanda um so yeah beautiful cosplay but yeah thank you so much Lauren for joining me but I have to it's it's true um thank you Lauren so much for joining me and yeah if you'd like to introduce yourself plug anything um floor is yours to take okay uh hi I'm <laughs> not supposed to be dressed like this right now but here we are um, I'm Lauren or Little Miss Scarlet Witch on TikTok. I dress up as Wanda for fun. And uh yeah, that's that's pretty much it. But if you follow me on Instagram, you probably aware that I'm a huge Eternals fan and uh it's my favorite Marvel movie. I just I love it so much. So I know I don't feel I don't seem like I have value credentials to talk about this but I really really love this movie so I'm excited to talk about Dina today yes no you are like a huge eternal stan like crazy big so (laughs) we're very excited to have you and your face is frozen right now and it's like frozen in the most funny expression and I'm like Oh, I can't. I couldn't get a picture of it, but maybe I'll send it to you later. Um, yeah. But yes, no, you're back now. Okay. So, um, but yeah, super happy to have you here. You definitely do have the credentials to talk about Eternals. Like I've seen you watch this movie a lot of times. So <laughs> let's let's start off with Dina. Um, where do you want to start with Dina? I feel like I should like. I have I have this crown. I feel like I need to like put this crown. On. <laughs> yes, do it, do it if you can. If you're able to. It doesn't go on easy. It's super heavy. It's like real metal. This is Did like, you make it? No, this was like, I got the like prop replica set. Mm. So my cousin and I like split it. So I have this and I have Cersei's like necklace. Oh, that's so cool. I know. Because Dina and Cersei are like my faves and Kingo. Yes. Love Dina and Kingo. Um, no, that's a really, it's her like her jewelry and her accessories are so cool and then like the magical weapons like the cosmic weapons she also makes are so intricate like literally the one in my backdrop there's it's so intricate and but it's so beautiful to look at and i'm like in awe i'm like this is beautiful it's art it's a masterpiece it feels symbolic of her as a character because i feel like i like wrote this down but i was thinking about her and i was thinking I feel like Dina can be described in a lot of like opposite words that like feel opposite of each other, but are both true of her. So I wrote down the words like strong and fragile because yeah, so it's like this like beautiful, that's her like weapon and her weaponry is like this, like these like really crazy, like very gory ways to kill people, but they're like these like intricate, like delicate looking beautifully woven golden shimmery weapons and I, I just it's so like it's a perfect embodiment of her as a character yeah that's so true and 
I really agree with that too because honestly like when you think about the design of the weapons they honestly could have just been designed as like a sword but and like you know like they could have been like like this could have been designed with all of like the intricate patterns without it like it could have just been the basic shape but the fact they decided to add in those intricate patterns woven in with just like the basic shape of the weapon itself just shows so much thought into how they decided to sort of differentiate each eternal from themselves and i very like that's not like i obviously didn't realize that their weapons are symbolic of her character and that's such an important point you bring up because honestly strong and fragile is probably the best like way to describe who thena is as a character and i think that's in a way that makes her relatable to a lot of people but also why i relate to her because personally i feel like i'm a very confident person but also at the same time I can like I feel very insecure and I definitely feel very fragile so I think the um the dichotomy that she has within herself it's like it's it's such an important piece and I really really wish like my one of like my main critiques with Eternals was I really wish they dwelled more into that with Thena like mm-hmm. I feel like so much of Thena's plot was around Mad Weary which would make sense because the Mad Weary served as like a plot development for the rest of Eternals but I also wanted to see how Mad Weary like personally impacted her I don't think we got that and like that's why I'm really excited to see how they further explore that especially like I realize there's like so much to talk about Dina even though she's not really even though her personality doesn't really show through the film so yeah, yeah. I know I was like talking to a friend before this I was like tell me all the things that I normally rant about Thena about because it's all like slipping my mind and she was like yeah, let me just send you a Athena scene pack and you can just watch like her entirety throughout the movie and like maybe get inspired. And it was 15 minutes long. She has 15 minutes of screen time in this movie. Like that is not a lot for like an almost three hour movie mm-hmm. for like 15 minutes of the three hour movie. Yeah. Crazy to me. And that the fact that she's had this impact and become one of the like fan favorite Eternals. Yeah. Pretty impressive for having that little amount of time exactly yeah it's i feel like she's i could say about this i could say about this for every eternal but they're also complex in their own way and thena is also like that too like she's she definitely like has her complexity and i think part of that comes from her struggle with mad weary mm-hmm. um and so i just like i would love to see more of that explored you know yeah. how yeah just her personal relationship totally and I think that, you know, it's it's hard in a movie where there's, yeah, what, 12 main characters? It's yeah. hard. It's hard to showcase For sure. different individual struggles of every different character. And I feel like Chloe Zhao did a really good job of that. Anyway. Mm-hmm. But also, like, that's part of the deal that kind of sucks about having a movie that big is that there are going to be characters that, like, don't get the amount of um you know like really deep delve into them into who they are as much as other characters yes so um i think that a positive response to i think all of the like really how how popular she's been is going to be that we'll hopefully get to have more of that in the future yes again we're gonna get to like get deeper into like her and not just her mad weary, like her mad weary is a great point that you brought up. Her mad weary and also like her grief. 
like we just don't see her grief like barely at all we don't it's like which is so funny because what if she gets like a wanda type of thing like we know how with wanda we did not really see her grief at all up until wandavision like Mm -hmm. that's where it culminated as so i think it'd be really interesting if they kind of sort of like I mean, I don't think they'd give her, like, a specifically a solo project, but if they sort of, like, had a wherever she comes next, like, really focus on her grief, which I think, again, like, that's what makes her connected to Wanda, because in a way, like, Wanda always had someone, but she, like, lost that someone, you know, and, like, it was several people for Wanda. For Athena, it was one person, but, like, both of them didn't really have time to grieve any of their losses. Like, there was right. always something going on, and when Dina like now finally has the time and then like Wanda like when she had the time like that's when Westview and everything right. accumulated and WandaVision you know but um I think it's just really interesting yeah like we definitely need to like like I'd really need to see like what losing Gilgamesh what that did to her and like what that means because obviously it did hurt her but we didn't really get to see that see her deal with that grief and I think Honestly, I think that's, like, where her strong side shows more because even after losing Gilgamesh, like, she still remained very strong for, like, the parts of the movie that she was left in. And she was, like, like, she literally gave Cersei that speech. And I think, honestly, her conversation with Cersei was probably the best display of her personality and just her persona throughout the entire movie. Like, I love that scene so much. It shows her, like, comedy. It shows her morals. It... Just, like, her as a person just really shines through in that scene. And I'm, like, I love that scene so much, so. It is such a good scene. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't know. I just think that she's, like, she had such a mature response to her grief. And it's really interesting because I think that I would argue that out of all of the Eternals, she went through the most. Don't want to like say that without thinking that through. I think but I don't. I can't think of anybody who had it worse than she did. Because she's from Mad Weary for the like a danger to her entire family for five hundred, five thousand years. 500, yeah, yeah, like five thousand years. Yeah, I always get them mixed up. And then Gilgamesh just dies. And that's like her one support system, her one person who believed in her enough to like protect her and like stick with her Mm -hmm. and not like want to give her up. Like I know that there were other colonels that were like, oh, we shouldn't erase her memories, but nobody was stepping in like Gilgamesh did. And obviously we all know of their relationship and how close they are and for that person to die and then she has to go on and save the entire universe or the entire world like and just deal with that I don't know so that that, that's a lot for like her to take on and I think I don't even want to say it's like overlooked like I just think like again like Eternals had so much going on it's sometimes hard to like examine each character individually Mm -hmm. and you're right like Dina when you like put it into perspective, she definitely like had a lot going for her. Cause I could also argue that, you know, Icarus in a way, like even though he was the antagonist, 
he also had a lot going for him because he did have to carry a burden a secret for so long and then eventually like leave Cersei and then make like tough decisions of you know and yes decisions are made and they weren't rational decisions but like he still had that burden of him and I was just doing the Icarus podcast before this and we were kind of discussing the religious trauma aspect of Icarus and how much that how much religious trauma like how religious trauma shows through his character and then also like Druig I remember when I was doing the Druig episode with Skylar she was kind of talking about how Druig also has been through a lot because he has the power to sort of like control humans and like free them from their emotions of like pain and grief and fix them but he can't do that and so like that also like does a number on him and then how he reacts like it's really interesting how like each of the Eternals are impacted it's funny because for Druig and um Icarus I would say like their struggles are more like internal emotional struggles but for Athena like for Athena it's like more of like a mental struggle but and also like just like it's a mental like loss because yeah. with Gilgamesh and and then Mad Weary, like all of them together, like, but we don't really see her emotionally affected by it. You know what yeah. I mean? And so that's crazy. She's just so strong. Yeah. That's where the the strong part of her comes in. Like yeah. she she was sticking by it and like she was able to help the other Eternals when they like Cersei, like when they couldn't when Cersei was like struggling in her confidence and everything, like Dina was the one who was like, it has to be you. Like you are the leader. Like, which I think just speaks to again, like the strength of her character. Like she, she's, she's just so amazing. I could like go on a rant about her, but yeah. Yeah. She's just, I don't know. And that's the thing about her is that she's so like, I don't know. I remember this was one of the first conversations we ever had together, but, um, She's so not your typical, like, female action hero character. Even though she is, like, the warrior of the Eternals, like, she's not anything like, like, a tropey, badly written, like, typical female action hero. And I just find that so interesting about her because it just speaks to how the movie is really that's that's how everything in the movie is just so much deeper than the tropes that those characters are typically um revolving around oh for sure yeah i i just i like i love that about her like where like a typical female action hero is like i don't know very like sexual um always like in a relationship with the main character um like always they're always very like angry and closed off like they have these like anger issues she doesn't have that like she's and she and they're also always like perfect and she's not she's not like she's not any of those things she's like quiet and weird but she's not shy and she's like very graceful and wise but she's not like in a like idolized way Mm-mm graceful and wise like she's beautiful but she's not over sexualized like she she fits she just is like the opposite of what you typically expect from those like female action heroes and I love that about her I actually wanted to go off of that because you're very right normally like the way that female action heroes have been presented and they shouldn't have been is like they're 
their way of like showcasing female empowerment is like being badass, but it's yeah. only like being badass through like their physical fighting skills mm-hmm. and being able to beat people up, which I still think is like a very like admirable trait to have. But a lot of like the female superheroes, like unfortunately, like Natasha Romanoff, they lack that emotional debt of also being like like strength, like strong emotionally, like 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 strong emotionally in the sense of like 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 you like the way you describe Thina, literally yeah. everything you said. She's there she's emotionally very strong and she's also physically very strong and i think that's what makes her a warrior is because she's both of those things and that part of her being badass comes not only like from her physical but also just like how she like her mental her emotional capabilities and i think that's like what you said is what initial mcu superhero females were lacking is because them being badass just came from their physical traits and yeah, it's good to see, but it's like, I want to also see how they are emotionally. And unfortunately, like that's something that Natasha Romanoff, I would still argue to this day, did not get that much. Mm-hmm. And, but that's like something I hope to see more in the future. And we're definitely seeing that with like Wanda for sure. Like how yeah. much, like she's very badass in her powers. Yes. But emotionally she is, she's, she's unstable. Yeah, She has issues. And I like, I mean, like that in the sense, like, that they're that they're like making them like more complex characters right and so that's what Thena is and I just think that's beautiful and yeah you're very accurate to everything you said like it's just hard to find words to describe her because like you said it's kind of like both sides like she's wise but then she like and I also like want to touch on like the humorous part because I think the two places where it showed was when I already gave that speech and also the second one, when she was with Fastos' son, I think her and Fastos' son together and then her conversation with Fastos really just showed who she is. Like, just like plain, simple Thena. Like her putting her freaking like hands in the toaster. I was, I was like, girl, what are you doing? But also like, <laughs> this is so cute and wholesome. And I love seeing, I just love seeing that side of Thena. And I'm glad we eventually got that. So I think with the 15 minutes that she was given, they were able to create a really like complex like female superhero plus her relationship with Gilgamesh which is like whole another thing we could discuss it's yeah. it's quite amazing what they did with the amount of screen time that she was in yep completely agree completely agree and she's just like I don't know yeah like the way you're talking about how she's like funny like she just is and it's not like this like I think going back to the like typical action heroine thing it's this desire like especially back in the day I think we're getting a little bit better at it now but like in the last 10 years or last maybe 20 years female action heroes have been very like the idea is feminism means this woman is flawless Mm -hmm. and it's like that's not okay that's not feminism and that's not representation and that's not what we want yeah what this like woman who is perfect in combat better than the man and emotionally like perfect and she's like she's always hot while she does everything and she's just like just everything about her is like just like she's so good at everything she does like even if she's like great at combat like that doesn't that's not that's not feminism that's not a real female character and that's 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 they wrote her so well because she is great at combat but and she is she's very strong with her emotions but it's like these different like things that come into play where she's strong at this, but she's also breaking down here or Mm -hmm. she, 
she's beautiful when she does this, but she's also like, she has this really uh, ugly side here. Like that's, they did such a good job at writing her that way and mm-hmm. making her, I don't know. She's not, she's not like this, like, she doesn't have this like witty, sarcastic humor that like, I feel like is typical of those types of. Um, it's more like quirky. Yeah, it's like weird. It's a little childish. Yeah, it is childish. I was thinking that that's the perfect word. Which is also like, even more funny because like like you like you associate warrior with like maturity. And yeah. like, yes, she is, but also like she has that childish side. And I'm so ready to see more of that because I truly think like her best moments were when she was exhibiting that, just because like I think it just like fleshed out her character more. Yeah. Then her character was already fleshed out because I like the first half of the first couple of scenes she was in, it was always like badass, like fighting, like warrior. And I love that. But then the second half was just so much more enjoyable of her because it was like, this is Tina. This is yeah. how, how she is authentically. And I, I like, yeah, I like always when I think just, and yeah, and she, she's just like, she's so emotionally mature, but then she's childish and it's like, I just love seeing all those different elements encompassed in her and just creating the character that she is. She's still flawed though. Like, I mean, it's, it's kind of hard to find her flawed just because (laughs) we also don't really know too much about her and how she views humanity because so much is just like more of her mental struggles. Mm -hmm. So it is a little bit difficult to find a flaw, but I'm, you know, like, yeah, just because she, she like her decisions have kind of always been like, doing the right thing rather yeah. than um really questioning anything so yeah and maybe she's not like it's it is hard to find like a character flaw like something that is like bad like mean or like immoral yeah. about her but you can find like flaws that are like not really flaws but just like things that make her more human like oh she you know she like I don't know like maybe she like tripped somewhere or like maybe she's you know, just like things like that. Like she, she's awkward when she's talking to this person. Like, I, I don't know. That's not a fingers flaw. in the toaster. Yeah, exactly. She stuck her hand in a toaster. Like she's, she's like weird when she's interacting with kids. Like it's just, it's not like flaws. Like this makes her a bad person, but like more flaws just in like, these are the little things that make her more human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Human, yeah. I love about Eternals so much we like gotta do like i feel like i really need to do an episode with you where you just get to talk about the themes of humanity in eternals because you have so much to say about it and i'm like lauren (laughs) you really like we gotta talk about it because there's just so much to discuss but that's an episode for another day (laughs) um but yeah it's just like i kind of want to like touch on her relationship with Gilgamesh and I'm interested in your thoughts so some people view it as like a platonic thing which I get I understand and others view it more of like a protective like romance I personally do view it like they were like romantic but not in the way that Icarus and Cersei were and not in the way Drake and Macari were they were like the more like more like passion like it was to them it was more about like 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 Icarus and Cersei were definitely like more of like like sexual love in a way. I don't yeah. know. The way like very much like heat. Like there's like there was like heat between them. But Gilgamesh and then Drake and Macari is more like 
I view it like more of like a not not that, but also more like a quirky teenage romance where they yeah, chemistry like playful committal. Yeah. Yes, playful. There you go. That's the word. And then yeah. Gilgamesh and Theon are more like protection, more like grounded in a way. Devoted. I don't know. Devoted to this person for life. Yes, devoted. It's like a devoted. And I was like, but do you think that they were like romantic? I change my mind every day. I just <laughs> Here's the thing. I went into the movie or came out of the movie for the first time very much like, I'm so happy we got to see a non-romantic but very committed male-female relationship because that is like really important to me. Yeah. I feel like our culture like idolizes romance way too much and puts it as like the number one type of commitment and committal and committed relationship. Yeah when that's not true like there are so many other kinds of love and so I get really excited when I see representation of like unconventional friendships like that or like I guess it's not unconventional but you just don't see it in media yeah like yeah like a a man and a woman who are strongly devoted to each other but Mm -hmm. not like romantically involved so that was that was my thing when I first saw the movie and then everyone started getting online and being like, I don't ship them. And then you could clearly tell it was like a race thing or mm-hmm. all those like posts that are like, okay, but if Gilgamesh had been like Icarus, everyone would be, because he's like this beautiful white man, everyone would be all over them. So that side of me is like very defensive of them as like a romantic relationship because I'm like, mm. that's unconventional. They deserve to be together. They're totally different looking. They're totally like not what you see from a Hollywood couple but yeah I so I love that about them but at the end of the day I think where I fall is I think it's more than either of those things I think it's more than platonic and I think it's more than romantic I think it's just this like mutual respect and like such a deep love but it's like like you're infatuated with someone but not like sexually i don't know how to no literally like i definitely don't think that their like love and respect for each other is from like like a sexual point yeah like like a sexual like definitely i don't get that for them it's more like it's just like the devotion they have for each other it almost just feels like it's out of love that they're doing it the amount of love they have for one another it's like like you said it's like a very respected and i think that's where i see them as and where i kind of personally also like think like yeah they're definitely romantic with each other but in like a very like respectful way and also just like the way that like Gilgamesh like took her hand you know like that those like those were the small signs where I was like I viewed this personally as romantic Mm -hmm. but then I also understand why other people see it as platonic so I'm happy either way yeah yeah same I think yeah I think we're more or less this have the same opinion here yeah but i I definitely like view them as romantic. Like the way that Gilgamesh yeah. was devoted to her, I was like, this man. Which like, <laughs> I love Gilgamesh. I'm, so, I'm I love Talk Gilgamesh. Journals, both of them, but nobody talks about Gil. Nobody talks about Gilgamesh. Nobody talks. Well, we don't really like have that much of him, but I that's know. true. He's very underrated. Don Lee is coming back. Okay, he so is coming I- back. Hanging on. He is More coming back. Content, People don't talk about Gilgamesh and Fastos 
enough and it makes me sad and i'm just like they're both they're both oh here's the thing they're both like gilgamesh and faustos very much like share the same similarity in terms of like devotion like faustos is very much like a family man and then gilgamesh is like obviously like that sort of like same type of like devotion that faustos has to his family he kind of has that towards dina but also at the same time i don't want to view it as like a man versus worshiping like a woman type of relationship yeah. i definitely want to like emphasize i see it more of like a mutual thing between the two of them where they both are very much like devoted to each other it's just that like dina you don't see that much from dina's side because she is impacted by mad weary but i still yeah. feel like it's a very much like a mutual sort of respect and relationship that they have i, I just don't want to be like it's a man putting a woman on the pet like yeah. no i definitely don't see it that way yeah, uh, yeah, I think people have a tendency to write it off as that real quick. And there's a lot of tendencies in Eternals to write a lot of things off real quick as like, I'm going to put this in this box. And it's just, it's not true. And you you do, it's hard to see on the first watch or the second watch, but you do see these little ways that Dina reciprocates. It's just they have, Dina has Mad Weary, yes, but also yes. they both just have different ways of like communicating love. I just think that Dina's way of reciprocating that love that Gilgamesh is giving is different than the way that he's giving her love. He I like is, think. Sorry, no, keep on oh, going. No, you're fine. He's he's like um, like I don't know if you know like the five love languages, but he's like serving, like acts of service, and like you know, like giving, and that's the way that he communicates love for people. And then mm-hmm. Dina's way of like reciprocating that is I think she's one of the only people who really understands him and she provides this like this like mutual like like she she she's comforting in the sense that she can like their minds are on the same wavelength and like I don't know there's just so many little things where she'll like he'll like touch her back and she'll like smile at him and she knows that he needs a smile right then because he needs that reciprocation and of I keep saying reciprocation but he needs that like acknowledgement of like I made you food and you're smiling and I I I I feel loved because you're smiling because you feel loved by what I just did for you like it's just I just love them I'm so happy you brought that up because the first thing I thought of is when they're sitting in like Druig's whatever like barn he's in and Gilgamesh is falling to sleep and Dina nudges him and she's like, wake up. She's like, she's like, come on. <laughs> and he's like, oh, what? what? Like, yes. they understand each other. And I think that's like the biggest thing. It's like, it's such a strong relationship because again, like we, we both keep on saying it's that understanding and it really shows like, yeah, you're right. Gilgamesh is more like access service. And for Thina, I think it goes back to that emotional maturity that we see her is that she understands the other Eternals well. Yeah. And she obviously understands Gilgamesh the most. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, it, we just don't see that much of Thina because again, most of what we see of her is mad weary. But if you like yeah. notice the small signs, it's there. And I also want to bring up what you said about like putting things into a box of Eternals because literally in the Icarus episode, we were having the same exact conversation. I was like, people have a tendency to watch Eternals and then put the characters into boxes. Icarus is the villain. Druid, like Icarus is the villain. Yeah. Ajax, uh, Arishim is not the villain. Like they yeah. put these things into boxes and I'm like, Icarus is not the villain. He's yeah. not right, but he's morally great. Like, yep. 
but he's not or they're like sprite sucks and i'm like have you thought about like sprite's perspective like girl has been through shit like she's stuck in an unfortunate situation i understand some of the decisions she took but like you cannot like here's the again it goes back watch eternals do not put things into boxes Mm -hmm. they're like and i was talking about this and i was like the only characters you can really put into a box is like maybe fastos and cersei because it's very clearly established what their values are and like what they really enjoy and stuff so like maybe those are the characters you can be like yeah like they clearly have like one set of morals and like other characters are a little bit more morally gray that's like icarus kingo sprite like those three are like and then Druig too, to some extent, just because yeah. of like certain things he does. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. I think that even, there I say it, even Cersei, I think everyone in the Eternals is morally gray and is like, or at least is flawed in, in their way of thinking because the way that Eternals presents itself is that there is no really right answer to the problem. We don't know. There could be many right answers. There could be no right answer. And so, I'm not going to get into it with Cersei. <laughs> I will get too, I'll get too fired up. But, like, that's that's, a, that's the whole thing is that, like, yeah, like, with Icarus, I mean, we talked about this when we, we watched Eternals the other day. And we're going off about this. I think Skylar was not very happy. But <laughs> um, he's just so, you can't box him in. You can't. You, you just can't. You cannot. I just, I don't know. I have a hard time with people who, like, hate any of the Eternals. Because mm-hmm. I try to take a Chloe Zhao approach to mm-hmm. all the characters. Mm-hmm. And I try, to, I try to think about them the way that Chloe thinks about them. And love them the way that Chloe loves them. Yeah. And Chloe loves them all. And she loves them all for different reasons. And she recognizes that they're flawed. And she doesn't love them like because of their flaws she loves them despite their flaws she is acknowledging the things that are good and bad about them she acknowledges mm-hmm. that Chris did a wrong thing but she also I think she has said the words he carries the weight of the world on his shoulders he does like mm-hmm. the way that he's literally described as like a loyal soldier and like I think those two words in itself like shows like he's very dedicated and that's yeah. a very good quality to have it's just like the circumstances that it was in it was maybe not shown in the most positive light but also at the same time like you do sympathize with Icarus while watching it I sympathize with Sprite while watching it are they my favorite Eternals no but like I see like I you have to be like very nuanced while watching it. you have to kind of like see all these things the unfortunate thing is people watch it and they're like this sucks and they'll not give another chance and they forget because you, it's hard to remember this when you only watch it one time and then yeah. it completely, but they forget that the events of Eternals for the most part are the events of like, like a week. Mm-hmm. Like Icarus did one bad thing in a week or like a couple bad things. Tried to kill Druig, he killed Ajax. Those are terrible things. He fought the Eternals. He was like, yeah. oh, that was bad. But also... That doesn't mean that throughout like the 7,000 years of history that they all had, he wasn't constantly like trying to kill them and like no terrible things. Exactly. And like, you know, all of them, Sprite, like if Sprite had like constantly been trying to stab everybody, like 
I feel like she'd do that, but for fun, yeah. you know. She would do it, but it would be like kind of like a joke. I yeah, don't know. Yeah. Maybe maybe she did constantly try to stab people, and that's why they were so casual about it at the end. Like that's <laughs> in the movie. Yeah. That kind of brushes it off. They're like, ah, yeah, classic sprite. So yeah. Oh, I can make your wildest dreams come true. No worries, grab me. It's fine. <laughs> like that's yeah. you. You do. No. I'm just like they're so. That's why. I... I personally think Eternals is such a perfect movie because I'm like, I'm like, I love when like characters are so nuanced. Mm-hmm. So, and I love that about Eternals. So I personally view it as a perfect movie, but then people are like the pacing and the plot. And I'm like, fuck that. Like, it's okay. The characters, I love watching it for the characters and how nuanced they are. So including Dina, like, yeah. oh, I, I love Dina so much. I just, I'm like ready to see more of her. Speaking of which, um, where do you think we'll see her next? Ooh, okay. I am manifesting slash predicting that we will see her next in Thor: Love and Thunder. Yes. Don't think she's gonna show up in Moon Knight. I don't think she's gonna show up in Multiverse of Madness, which I know have both been talked about potential seeing Eternals again. Yeah, that she's gonna show up in Miss Marvel either, but I haven't really heard that one. So no, no, I definitely think we'll be seeing her in Thor: Love and Thunder. Yeah, the only Eternal that I can imagine seeing in Moon Knight would be Sprite with Dane. Yeah, that's yeah. the only Eternal because the other ones are. It would just be very weird. Like yeah, no, I, I don't. But like Sprite with Dane would make sense because yeah, she's, she's I mean, I right can Cersei, but Cersei's in space. in space. Yeah, but like if Moon Knight is set like along the same phase four timeline we're going right now and you know he somehow meets dane whitman i wouldn't be surprised if sprite shows up just like as a hey dane how are you doing kind of thing yeah and i think they've said because they just released an official timeline the other day so i'm pretty sure moon knight takes place after eternals so that's that would that would add up to a lot this is slightly on a tangent again but did you notice that at the end of moon night when they like are like rolling the credits the next suggested project is eternals yeah watch like i don't know that's probably just because it was like the 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 latest marvel project to like be released on disney plus but like what if it's not it's so funny you mentioned that because when I was live talking about Moon Knight episode one, Zoe said the exact same thing. She was like, yeah, the next project that was mentioned was Eternals. And then she was like, I don't know if that's just because like the latest movie to go on Disney Plus, but that's what was mentioned. And I was like, and also at the beginning, the Eternals were in the logo. I know. So they're definitely like having some reference to Eternals or having like some character, probably not the Eternals themselves, but like Dane Whitman. But yeah. yeah. Do you have anything else you want to talk about with Dina? Ooh. Okay. What did I have in there? She's weird. We talked about that. She's not a typical action hero. We talked about that. Yeah, I think just like with seeing in her in the future, I don't know. We we touched on this a little bit at the beginning, but I think now, like, I just think it worked out for them so perfectly that. Druig, Makari, and Thena are the three people on the ship that are, like, continuing the plot. Because those are literally the three fan favorite characters. So, I don't know if they were, like, predicting that those three were going to be the the faves of the fandom. Or 
if they were if it was just a lucky guess or total coincidence but I'm really really happy about that because she's gonna be I think very uh at the front of continuing the eternal story immediately like I think that she will be like out of the characters we see the next of eternals I think she's gonna be one of the ones we see this so I also I don't know if, if um, Chloe realized this, but Thena, Drig, and Makari are probably the characters whose struggles are the least explored. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if, like, part of it, they also had those three kind of calculated. Yeah, huh? I can see her doing that on purpose. Yeah, because the other three that went on Earth with Kingo, like, people didn't really understand his emotional struggles, but also at the same time, it was quite apparent, like, what was going on with him. So I think, like, they noticed that, and so like. So it was like, yeah, Kingo. And then Fastos, we also saw like some of his struggles and we learned quite a lot about Fastos. And then obviously Cersei was the lead. So taking those three to space, like makes mm-hmm. sense. So you get more time to develop Dina, Drake, and Makari, who from the ones that are alive, we did not see much of and we don't really know them. So yeah, that's why. Yeah, it's chill. Okay. Okay, so... Since we're done talking about Dina, thank you so much for joining me today to talk about Dina and Eternals. We're definitely going to have you back for another episode because I know you're very passionate about like the themes of Eternals and I would love to hear about that and also discuss it as well. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for joining me. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Go check out Lauren. All her social media will be linked below. Let's try to get her to get an invitation to the Multiverse of Badness premiere. So everyone do your thing, tag Marvel and all of your TikToks. She deserves to go there. So let's do that. And yeah, just check her out. Uh, Make sure you follow, subscribe, rate the podcast, whatever platform you're listening on and stay tuned for the next Eternal Character Series. And let me know what you guys also think of Tina. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys all have a good day.